We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And it's great because of and you, you don't do anything alone in this league. So from ownership to management to you know the leaders and, and our best players to the entire team, it was everyone working together. And I think we all know what the Knicks mean to the city. And we saw the fans and, of course, the, the arena. There's no other arena like this. There are no other fans like this. And so, you know, we're, we're proud of what we did. But, you know, we, we know we still have a long way to go. And that's the way we have to approach it. It doesn't get easier. It gets harder. <sighs> okay. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Um, it's 12.30 a.m. Um, just got back to the friendly confines of Massapequa Park, Long Island, from uh, Madison Square Garden, where I watched uh, the Knicks season end tonight. Uh, I was not planning on going to this game tonight, um, but got a, got a late, late night text last night from my brother. Um, who uh, had an extra ticket, and uh, I've never been to a a sporting event with my brother. He's 14 years older than me. Never been really that close, but this season, oddly enough, has has brought us closer together. Um, one of the many things I will remember for uh f- from this season, which has provided many many memories. So uh, went to the game. Um, quite an experience to be in the building for that. Um, and I just want to take a second to thank uh, Andrew Claudio for picking up the slack, not only for post-game duties, but for pre-game as well. Um, he is um, a gentleman and a scholar. So uh, thank you, you Andrew, for that. And um, I probably could have left it at his thoughts because it is, again, 
uh, after midnight, well after midnight, most of, most people are probably sleeping, but I, I would not have felt right going to bed um, on the last day of the Knicks season without coming on here and um, just sharing a few thoughts. Um, and of course, because you guys are amazing, we already have something in the super chat from Kurt, Kurt Schulte. Thanks for everything, John. What a run. Um, so I was, I was thinking about this because it's tough to put a season into words, um, in, in, in one night, uh, you know, especially when, when it's a season that is so good and it ends in such disappointing fashion. And it, there were so many nights and so many memories and so much positivity. Um, and it's not, it's not just that this was a season full of positivity. It was a season full of positivity for an organization that has lacked any positivity, really, um, save for a couple of years and a couple of moments here and there over the last two decades. Um, but it was an organization that, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks weren't just losers. They were, <laughs> they were the laughing stock of the league. And uh, that's been really tough for those of us. Uh, and again, if you're here watching me, you are you are part of this group. Um, those of us who live and die and pour blood, sweat, and tears um, occasionally uh, over over this uh, basketball team who has given us so little back over all these years, um, and so for that to lead to this season where the expectations were perhaps lower than any other, you know, of all of the, the rough seasons that they've had, the expectations for this one were maybe the lowest. Um, and then to have this and all of the memories that came with it. And I was thinking about what made this, this, the way this season ended so disappointing. And yeah, I think part of it is the fact that you lose to the Hawks after we had owned the Hawks all year. And losing to Trey Young because Trey Young is just—I mean, if there is a, more of a shit heel in the NBA today, and I say that with great respect because the, the kid absolutely owned us, and he's really good. Um, he's a really good player, but he's a shit heel, um, and it makes it really tough to lose to lose to him. Um, as much as as much as that part of it's difficult, and as obviously the Knicks did not did not play well, and and we'll you know I'll talk a bit about you know the specifics of who didn't play well. Um, I think part of the reason that this is so tough is this season because of the expectations going into it and the results that followed. It really did feel like magic. And I know um, I'm a grown man, 38 years and counting. Um, people watching this, I, I hope you're grown because if you're not grown, it's past your bedtime. You get to sleep. Um, you know, you're too old to believe in magic after a certain point, right? Um, you know, but I don't know how else to describe what happened this season for the Knicks because so much, so much needed to go right for this season to happen in the way that it did. So many players needed to play above their heads. You know, the coach had to get them all in line and get them on the same page. There had to be a culture behind the scenes to get buy-in 
from the roster, from the coaching staff, from, you know, from everybody behind the scenes, from just all across the board. Like, I, I don't, again, I don't know how else to describe it other than to say that it, that it felt magical. And when you get to a certain point, even if logically you you can watch the games and you can say, oh, shit, this is a really bad matchup. We don't know how to stop this team. We don't have the personnel to stop this team. And we don't have the firepower to, to go back and forth with them and score with them. That's the logical side of your brain talking. But after you've just watched 72 games worth of a team that really, again, does seem to resort to, to magic um, in how they consistently produced, produced above everybody's expectations and above their own heads – you just kind of believe at a certain point, like it's not going to stop, or if it is going to stop, it's not going to stop against a team like this or a player like this. It's going to stop against, you know, a, a real contender or something. So I think when the season kind of ended so abruptly and in the fashion that it did, and let's be honest, they were like, this series was not close. Um, I know, you know, we could look back and I, God knows I probably will, stay up some nights thinking back to what if that, what if RJ had gotten that, um, that turnover in game one, um, maybe they go up to, Oh, maybe tonight's different. Maybe Julius Randall's feeling a little bit more confident. Maybe, maybe this, maybe that, maybe that at the end of the day, they lost in five games and, um, the last two weren't close. And really the last three weren't close. Again, if we're, if we're being, if we're keeping it 100, I think that's what the kids say. Um, you know, and even game two, the game that we won, that we were down by whatever it was, 14, 15 points at halftime. Um, so they were not the better team and they lost and, you know, th there's going to be a lot of, a lot of takes. Uh, I'll actually, you know what, before I get to the takes, uh, let me go back to the super chat because you guys are just incredible that you're not only are you here watching, but you're, you're contributing because that's what you do. And we appreciate it so much. Uh, Jesse D feeling thankful tonight, thankful for the, this team in such a tough year for all you guys at Knicks film school. Thank you. Um, and all other Knicks fans who have been here night in and night out. We here. I'm feeling thankful too. And we are here. And, and the thing I'll say is I, I was in um, waiting for my train home in uh, Penn Station, actually in, in the New Jersey transit portion of Penn Station, um, watching uh, Tibbs and um, Julius, uh, Derek, and then finally RJ, who I got a question into. I felt so stupid. I asked RJ. I was like, I know it's a little soon. To, to process this, but, you know, looking back at this season, how could you compare it to last year and, and, and what those two experiences were like? And he's like, well, we did a lot more winning this year. And I'm like, yeah, you did. That's, um, but then he, he said some other stuff and it was actually really insightful, but, but to a man, Tibbs, uh, Randall, Rose, uh, Barrett, all of them talked about how this was just the beginning and this was about laying the foundation. And this was, you know, this was not over. Like this is about building and this was about establishing a framework and establishing a foundation and establishing a culture and, you know, let, kind of putting the league on notice that, look, this is, you know, we'll be back. And I loved to hear that because I, I get that they were very disappointed and, and just like, we're all disappointed, but, it seems like they were able to keep things in perspective. Um, so that's great to see. 
Uh, Leon C here. Thank you. Uh, you've been you've been helping uh, in these super chats so much, Leon. We appreciate it. Um, thanks for the great year, John, and the KFS crew. Couldn't miss the post game disappointing end, but the season was joyous and wonderful for us long suffering fans. Excited for next year, go Knicks! I'm excited for next year too. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into specifics, uh, but I did think it was interesting where Derek Rose uh, said in his post game, unsolicited, that uh, the front office has big plans. You know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, and he also said that you know players around the league now talk about this as a spot that they want to come to, and they see what's going on here, and you know that's significant. And if you know this season was always at its baseline, at its baseline was always about two things: it was about growing the talent that was already here and improving the asset chest, if you will, which they did tenfold between RJ and quickly and Obi, and we could talk about their performances tonight and obviously Julius and, and everybody else. Um, but also, you know, turning around the narrative and making this, um, you know, a, a, a team and an organization and a, a culture and all of those buzzwords that players around the league looked at and be like, you know what, let me look at the Knicks. Let me give the Knicks a chance. And I think they've done that. And then some, I think now, you're going to see over the course of this offseason, it's not going to be a matter of like what players can the Knicks get. I think it's going to be a matter of like what players want to come to the Knicks in terms of like, I think it's, I don't know, maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm being a little bit too hopeful. I, I really think we're going to see there might be some jockeying. Maybe that's a bit much. We'll see. I may have egg on my face, but I would not be surprised if like there are more than a few people of some renown that, look at this situation and say, yeah, I want to be the next guy to add on to that, that group that they're building. So I think it's well said uh, by you, Leon uh, WG great season. Thank you, Macri for making our nights more smooth and building memories as a group here. Thank you for being part of the memories um, as a fan since 90, only better times to come. You go back longer than me, man. I'm 92, 93. Really, ninety three. Um, yeah, I, I think this 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 feels like it's a new era coming. Um, I've never felt this way before. I really haven't. So you know, we'll see. Hey, Chris, what's going on, Chris Percy? I didn't. I'm sorry, I, didn't, I, I wasn't able to hook up with you tonight, Chris. Um, it was that kind of a crazy night, but um, you represented well. I trust. Um, John Michael Prego, it's been a fun ride, guys. This season was incredible, onwards and upwards. Thank you, gentlemen. Michael Rappaport sucks. Yes, he does. The magic is in the work. Um, oh, did the Mavs win? Oh, how about that? The Mavs won. Um, hello, Kawhi. Um, we're not going to talk about Kawhi tonight. Evan Janichin, love this team forever. Glad to see you in the New Jersey Transit. Oh, what's going on? Evan, that was you. Hey. Um and appreciate all the content this year, man. Can't feel anything but grateful. Go Knicks. Yeah. I, to anybody here who, who I saw tonight, I ran into a bunch of people. Um, I apologize. I, I feel like I, I did not uh, – I was not able to talk for as long as I would like to. Um, but uh, thank you for, you know, for that. And uh, it, it was great to see you and meet you. Uh, Aussie Knicks fan. I genuinely love you, John. My goodness, that is – very kind words. Love you too. Uh, you and the KFS crew have been amazing to us Knicks fans this year. Drinks on me if you ever come to Australia. I've been trying to get to Australia for a very long time. 
I'll tell you a quick story because what would a what would a, a, a live stream be without a random story from me? Back uh, if my wife is listening, she should close her ears now. Um, back when I was single, very very long time ago, when I was bartending, I had a gentleman from uh, Sydney come into the bar, and I was serving him drinks, and we were getting along fabulously. And he's like, uh, "Are you single?" And I said, "Yes." He's like, "You should come to Australia and come to Sydney. You will be a happy man uh, by the time you leave." And I said, "Really?" He's like, "Well, probably." Let me ask you a question. When somebody asks you where you're from, what would you say? And I said, oh, "I say I'm from New York." He's like, that's the right answer. I'm like, well, what other answer would I say? He's like, well, some people would say they're from America. He's like, that that's not going to get you laid. You say you're from New York, that's you'll get lucky. Um, that's my Australia story. So if you are uh, someone out there who is single uh, and is looking to go on a trip, um, go to Australia and uh, say you're from New York. Because uh, according to that gentleman, you know, you'll have a good trip. Uh, Robert Boy. Randall's been solid all year, but to be honest, this series has proven he can't be our number one guy. Uh, hopefully, Leon does some magic to get a star. RJ gets better in 2022. Yeah, we can have the Randall conversation right now. Um, Randall was bad this series. Uh, you can sugarcoat it. You can talk around it. Um, what I witnessed firsthand with my own two little eyes in the third quarter uh, at the garden was something that I have not seen this year. And honestly, I'm honestly, I'm not even sure I saw it uh, last year. He was, he was a, he was a guy playing just very unsure of himself. And um, <laughs> I see my wife's comment. Um, yeah, he. I just he didn't he he didn't know whether it was coming or going, and it was a hesitation. There was timidity, and that timidity and hesitation rubbed off on his teammates. And there was that stretch in the third. I mean, if we want to talk about the game, it came down to the third quarter. There was a stretch of eleven minutes in the third quarter where they scored eight points, and their defense was doing everything possible to keep them in the game. And unfortunately, the offense couldn't do anything, and it was so frustrating because you were watching it and you're like. A few minutes into this, you're like, this isn't working and it's not going to get any better. And sure enough, it continued not working and continued not getting better. And we can, you know, we can talk about Tibbs. Tibbs did not have a good series. Um, you know, and and look, so it, let me pull it back. Randall was bad. Tibbs was not great. Um, RJ honestly wasn't that great. Um, Bullock, Burks, like these guys are secondary, ancillary pieces, not as important as the as the big guns. Um, it's okay to identify the, the faults, uh, that, that the Knicks displayed, uh, tonight and, uh, over the course of the series, you know, but I know there's been a lot of takes flying around and God knows those takes are going to probably be amplified, you know, fivefold, uh, in the days to come. Um, all I will say is that like, it's one thing if a player has years worth of playoff failures on their resume, like, you know, you got to a certain point with like Carl Malone trying to think of somebody else. Um, Carl Malone's the obvious one, but there's other guys um, where you're like this person, you know, DeMar DeRozan, if we're, if we're being honest, 
Um, again, there's other guys who you're just like, this person isn't a great playoff player. Um, Julius Randle has now played five postseason games in his career. And he's played five postseason games um, against a team that had a week to game plan for him, knowing that if they figured out a way to shut him down, the Knicks would have nothing else to go to. And they centered all of their attention and all of their focus on we are gonna we are gonna make sure this guy doesn't get going. So for as much as I'm gonna sit here and I will I will say very openly and honestly, our, uh, our Julius Randle is bad. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and be like that should be indicative of what Julius Randle is going to be moving forward. Is he a number one option on a great team? No, of course not. But we knew that two weeks ago. Um, as far as Tibbs, again, it's kind of like the same thing. Could he have done more? Absolutely, he could have done more. I think he was his stubbornness got the better of him this series. I thought his insistence on playing it safe, um, playing it by the book, if you will, I thought that was part of his undoing. That said, was there any coach that was going to win this series for the Knicks the way their guys Played? No, that coach doesn't exist. Um, Tibbs was hamstrung by the same things that essentially Randall was hamstrung by, which is that they could focus all their attention on him. And if you're Tom Thibodeau, it's like, what do you do? You try to spring guys and, and figure manufacture offense. But at some point, you can only do so much. Um, I'm sure we'll look back on whether he could have switched up the personnel to attack Trey Young more and completely rejiggered their offense to make that, you know, the focal point and this, that, and the other thing. It's all valid. All of it is valid. Anyone who wants to criticize any of those guys and, and, and Barrett, you know, again, but just don't take anything out of context. That's would be my only request. Don't take the fact that Ju like Julius Randle is the team. He has been the team the whole year. Don't take that out of context. Tom Thibodeau, this is the roster he has to work with. Don't take that out of context. R.J. Barrett, um, I don't think anyone's complaining about R.J., but just in case anybody is, he's 20 years old, first postseason. Don't take it out of context. Um, and I think as long as you keep everything in context and are honest about, like, what you're dealing with here, um, you know, we could live in that nice gray area where you acknowledge the growth that needs to happen but also appreciate the fact that what we have seen and the struggles that we just experienced with this team are not the be all end all. And we should not necessarily look at the things that went wrong over the last week and a half and jump to conclusions along the lines of, you know, fire Tibbs or trade Randall or, you know, package RJ or whatever, you know, all of the nonsense that's going to be out there on the internet. Um, we're better than that. Um, I know sometimes it can feel like our fan base is very reactionary and doesn't really think things through. But, um, you know, I find that oftentimes the, the most vocal um, are like the, the vast minority. They, they do not represent. So if you're if you're someone who likes to go on social media and like to re likes to read those sorts of things, um, I wouldn't take that stuff to heart. Um you know, I, I hope we could be a little bit more sensible um, about all that stuff moving forward. So that was my, my that was my kind of mini rant um, about that. Let me go back to the super chat. I, I can't believe there's so many people here. Um, Luffy, 
Thank you for everything this season, KFS. This season was such a joy, and I'm glad I found this podcast that I could listen to throughout the day for my Knicks fill. Well, we're happy you found it, too. I'm truly excited for next season, um, NYF. Um, Lou, hold on. Where are you here? Um, Lunis Amirat. Thank you so much for this season. You have no idea how much I look forward to these after every game. I don't even have the words to respond to that. Um, thank you uh, for looking forward to to what we do here. I'm sorry to be a the a hole to look at. <laughs> it's okay. I'm an I'm an asshole way more than anybody else on here. Um, but just wondering what kind of players do you think hope IQ and RJ are next year? I think that's completely valid. Um, so again, if we're looking for bright spots, I think RJ, you know, here's the nice thing about, about, let me talk about RJ first. The nice thing about RJ is that coming into the season, for me personally, I wasn't sure there was one thing that I could bank on where I was like, I know he has this in his bag. It was just all of the extracurricular stuff. It was the pedigree. It was the mentality. It was the work ethic. But it wasn't so much the, anything on the court other than that he shot it in the paint a lot. This season, now all of a sudden, I feel like it's completely flipped. And it's down to like, there's only one thing left for me for RJ to get down where if he gets it down, he, everything's going to open up for him. And I think that one thing is finishing at the rim. Because I think the shooting is there. I think he's going to be great shooting going forward. I know he didn't shoot it great in this series. He's going to be a wonderful shooter going forward. Defensively, massive leap forward. Um, durability, um, consistency, all took leaps this season. Uh, playmaking. I know it was a little inconsistent, but we saw the progress there. If he could just get the finishing down, and 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 part and parcel with that is you know the wiggle and kind of getting to the rim and and how we get to the rim and where it, you know all of that stuff but if he could just get the finishing down i really do think the sky's the limit and we've again i've referenced this so many times this year we've already heard that that is his plan he that is what he is going to work on moving forward with his trainer drew hanlon so he knows what he needs to do and based on how much he's grown from year one to year two and the progress and the fact that, like, even over the course of these playoffs, he grew. And, and and the other last thing I'll say, you know, this team, the organization is, um, in case you haven't noticed, a little, little media shy, a little gun shy. Um, they, you know, they, they get very, uh, you know, trepidatious, to use a Walt Clyde Frazier word, um, about things that are said in press conferences and this and that. They put RJ out there front and center in front of the media every, every chance they got. He has the off-court savvy of a 10-year vet, and he is perfect for this town. He has the thickness of skin to play here. He has the media savvy. He has everything you could possibly want. Um he is not someone that you have to worry about New York getting the better of him. And in fact, I think it's the other way around. I think he will thrive moving forward, playing here in this environment with this pressure, um, with everything that surrounds playing for the Knicks. 
And I think we started to see that over the course of the year. And I feel really good about that going forward. In terms of Emmanuel, quickly, I mean, what else do you say about the kid? Everybody, everybody in Madison Square Garden at, at a certain point in the third quarter was like, can we get quickly in the game, please? Please, can we get quickly in the game? And sure enough, he came into the game. What did he do as soon as he came in the game? He hit a three. And then he got to the foul line a few times. It's like already as a rookie, he represented for me tonight the Knicks' best chance to win the game. And I know they didn't win the game, and I know, you know, he didn't have, you know, the, the this kind of the storybook ending that we would have liked. But the fact that already as a rookie, you're already the guy that everybody w- is like, could we like this? This is the guy we need in the game, um, and he almost kind of came through. He he had as good a game as anybody else. That's for shit sure. Um, that's exciting, and I don't know where his game grows from here. I don't know where the playmaking is going to be. Um, you know how much can he grow as a playmaker? Um, but I do know the shooting is real. The foul drawing is real. He's going to get better as a finisher. Um, I love the defense. I mean, shit. He had a couple de- defensive moments tonight that were just like, you know, so I'm really excited for both of those guys. And we haven't, you know, you didn't ask about Obi Toppin, but I'm sure somebody else will. Obi Toppin, like, what more can you say about him? How much he's grown over, not again, not only this series, but over the last few months. Incredibly, incredibly, incredibly um, big stuff um, for this team. And the future is bright. I, I, I don't think I need to, you know, bemoan that point. Uh, Hayden Carey. Enjoyed every moment listening to you. My God, you guys are too much. Been thinking about New York City, Brooklyn a lot lately. Personally, I prefer a season like this over what Brooklyn is doing. Thoughts? I mean, look, am I going to sit here and be like, if KD and Kyrie chose the Knicks, you know, I'd be and and they, you know, they were on on the Knicks and the Knicks and they won, you know, a series and we're going on to face the Bucks. That I'd be like, not excited. Yeah, I'd be excited, but like. I don't know. I don't really care about Brooklyn. Like those guys chose that organization. And the moment that those guys chose that organization, it was, and people have different opinions on this. This is my own personal opinion. It was a solidification of the the fact that yes, this was the bottom we had reached. We had reached the basement. There was no going lower than that. They chose the fucking nets over us. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm in retrospect, I, I could sit here and say genuinely and honestly, I'm happy they did. I want nothing to do with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I say that knowing full well, that there's a really good chance those guys win the championship this year. And if it, for, for however many Brooklyn Nets fans there actually are out there, I, I I'm not going to make a joke, but whatever. I'm sure they're going to love that and, and be really happy with it. But do I, am I going to sit here and be like, Oh, I wish we had, no, I don't fuck that. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, this is the, this is the NBA in this like decade, in this era, there is no such team thing anymore as a team that does it without outside help, without some mercenary or another that you bring in, um, you know, you want to tell me. The Cleveland championship, I mean, you know, LeBron came back. Okay, you want to tell me the first Warriors championship? That's real. That's a, that's legit. They did it on their own. You know, but for the most part, you're probably going to need someone from outside the organization, and that's fine. 
and that's fine. And I just, you know, it would be cool if it, if they, if the team could kind of have their cake and eat it too and maintain this identity and maintain this core. Like, again, I know Randall had a shitty series. I want Julius Randall to stay here. I want Julius Randall to be a part of the solution moving forward. I God knows I want RJ Barrett to be part of the solution. And even like, and this is obviously going to sound insane, right? Like we were, we were uh, in our uh, text uh, chain today, myself and Andrew and, and Bernard and, and Yash, you know, we were bullshitting about Dame Lillard and talking about like, Oh, can you get him for, you know, quickly and OB and like all the draft picks or, you know, can, would you have to include RJ? Like, I don't know. And, and and this is where, you know, the fandom comes in and why it's good that fans don't run teams because sitting here right now, I'm like, I don't want to give up quickly. I don't want to give up Obi Toppin. I want to see what these kids do. I want to see these kids grow here now with this team and see how much better they get. Um, which is why I think like the Kawhi part of it is so interesting because he's a free agent. Um, you know, it's just, it's an unfortunate situation that this team accomplished this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This season, and there isn't really, other than Kawhi, there isn't that star free agent out there that, that could put them over the top. But you know what? Maybe, maybe they'll surprise us again. Maybe they don't need that star. Maybe... It's about just reinforcing the, the 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 stuff that needs reinforcing, and you know, replacing uh, a Reggie Bullock with Alonzo Ball, someone who could put the ball on the floor as opposed to just standing in the corner and being like, you know, the guy who stands in the corner. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, again, I I don't know, but I I do like this core, I do like this team, and I like the way they're trying to go about doing it, um, and we'll see how far it goes. Charles Yoon, um, Macri, appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you too, Charles. Bright future ahead. Uh, hell of a season. Thanks for your commitment to the Knicks and uh, the fans. Um, again, I've, I've said this in the past. Um, all I've ever wanted uh, to do with my life was to, um, you know, make a difference doing something I loved. Spent most of my life trying to figure out what that was made a lot of wrong turns. Um, and then finally I'm like, shit, like I love two things above all else, my family and the Knicks. <laughs> and it's not particularly close. There's nothing else. Nothing else is close. It's those two things. Um, and, uh, the fact that I'm able to do this and, uh, and, and, and help my family out 
uh, by doing it a little bit. And thank you for everybody for, for helping me help them out. Um, and I get to just talk about what I love and write about what I love and, and, and everything. It's just, you know, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So, um, you, you don't have to thank me for, for that. Um, Gee Huber 10, 10 or 10, uh, Tim stubbornness works in regular season, but gets exposed every time in the playoffs, check his record and the ISO offense got to go next year. Um, yeah, I mean, I was talking about this with, with uh, with uh, actually, no, I wasn't talking about this with anybody. I was talking about this in my own head because I was writing my newsletter this morning. <laughs> I was like, where did I, re- where do I recall thinking this? And I'm like, oh, that's right. I was writing tomorrow's newsletter today. Um, I think they needed his stubbornness. I think this team and this organization right now needed his stubbornness to take the next step or to not take the next step to get out of the hole that they were in. Um, as far as like getting exposed every time in the playoffs, again, if you, I, I trust me, I know his record. There's only one playoff series that he ever arguably should have won that didn't. It's the Washington series. Um, other than that, it was the Philly series that he lost when Derek Rose tore his ACL. Um, and then he lost three times to LeBron James. You know, I, I don't really know how you fault him for any of that. Um, and then he, in Minnesota, he faced the Houston team that was very good. Um, injuries hurt him a lot. How much of those injuries has to do with him overplaying guys? Even tonight, Derek Rose had nothing left, had nothing left. Um, was there another move there that he could have made that would have would have kept Rose fresh? It's a very valid point. Um, might he not be the coach to take them all the way? Yeah, maybe not. Um, but he is the coach that needed to get them here, and I think he's still the coach for this team for moving forward. Um, they love him. They buy in. They play their asses off for him. And as far as like the ISO offense, like that's what happens when you know. That's the playoffs. I mean, the playoffs, unfortunately, is a lot of ISO in, in less like that's when you have when nobody's drawing doubles, you're going to get ISO um, and it sucks and it's frustrating and it wasn't fun to watch. But again, I don't know that there were other answers um, given this roster, but we'll see. Uh, Jason, A, thank you so much for all the joy and community from you and KFS in a year that I really needed it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we could uh, do that for you. And um, I hope things are better, that you maybe don't need it as much anymore. Uh, hopefully, we're all coming out of the, the last uh, 15 months. Additionally, if this is Frank's last game in New York, oh, my goodness, in a Knicks jersey, I will remember him only fondly. Man, I haven't even wrapped my mind around that. I My brother asked me tonight. He's like, um, I think Frank plays – he said, I think Frank plays minutes tonight. I said, I'll set the over-under at a half a, half a minute, 30 seconds. And I'm taking the under. Um, I, you know, I, if they're going to really continue to invest in him and his development and what he could be, I, I'd love for him to stay here. But I just want him to get a chance to play. Um, I think he's a good kid. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, not a great player, but a good player. Um, Sean Pennington, thanks for another great season. Love the newsletter and post games. Excited to see what the front office has in store for the offseason. You and me both, Sean. You and me both. Um, what else we got here? My gosh, you guys are, are just incredible. Uh, Slacker Hero, 
Thank you, Macri and the KFS crew for a great season. In terms of offseason, I just hope the Knicks play it smart and spend and not spend cap on marginal free agents. I don't think you're gonna have to worry about that. Um, thank you for the kind words, by the way. Um, you know, my gut feeling watching this season and this series in particular is that the Knicks know that if they sign marginal free agents, they're essentially going to get what they just got from guys like Bullock and Burks and, and, and Noel and like, these are good NBA players. And if you put them in a system and you give them the tools to succeed, like during the regular season, they're going to be able to succeed. But the reality of the situation is this, this Knicks team and I'm going to write something to this effect tomorrow in the newsletter. You had one guy who's a second guy, a second banana, who was masquerading as a first banana. You had a 20-year-old kid in R.J. Barrett who this season probably was ready to be like the fourth or fifth guy on a really good team who was the second guy. And then you had a bunch of guys, Derek Rose, Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, um, you want to say Emmanuel quickly, throw him in there. Um, you know, the centers I put in a different category. All those guys are like seventh, seventh guys on really great teams. Six, maybe Rose, like a six man, but mostly seventh, eighth guys on a really good team. And these guys were your number three, your number four, your number five, your number six. So. I think the Knicks know where that gets them. That gets them to this. I don't think they're going to spend on guys that they don't think can make an appreciable difference. So, like, for instance, if you're asking me, do I think the Knicks are going to go out and sign, you know, fucking Norm Powell? I, I like Norm Powell. But, like, do I think the Knicks are going to sign Norm Powell to, like, four years, $100 million? Like, no, I don't think so. Do I think they may think that, like, Lonzo Ball, is he – where is he? Is he in that in-between zone, right? Um is there an older player that they think is not maybe part of the long-term answer, but can provide a significant upgrade in an area of need right now? Um, the aforementioned DeMar DeRozan, um, Kyle Lowry, you know, obviously would do wonders for this team. You know, these are the tough questions and that's why they get paid a lot of money to do their job. Um, I don't pretend that these are easy things. Um, but I do think they, they, they will continue to have a plan. And I think the, the other nice thing about this season, you know, there were a lot of questions in the post game tonight to the players about have, have, has the timeline moved? And RJ actually said, yeah, the timeline's moved. And while I appreciate that and I understand that, I also think like this season, I do think bought them a little bit of currency. Uh, it bought them some leeway, uh, in terms of the front office, like, I don't think that they need to make a desperation play, um, you know, to keep James Dolan, you know, from breathing down their necks. I think they could play this thing safe and smart and like one step at a time. Um, I think they will. I, I hope they will. And I think they will. Um, Kevin Danishevsky. Thank you, Macri. I was also at the game. Good to see Damon Kawhi lose. Looking forward to next year. Uh, yeah, I think we're all looking forward to next year, and I, I'm happy those guys uh, lost as well. Uh, Colin Gick, John, thank you, and uh, everyone from KFS. Tough series, but I hope we look back on it as a great experience for our young guys. Um, absolutely, this was a great experience for the young guys. I think um, Rose said that. 
Uh, RJ definitely said that. I forget if Randall said something to that effect, but you could tell Tibbs thought it. Um, Tibbs mentioned in the post game first first playoff for a lot of guys. Um, yeah, it's only good stuff. It's only good stuff. Uh, I'm gonna hit up some other some more questions, and and then I'm gonna get out of here as it is after one a.m. And I have a, a newsletter to write. Um, and Mr. BK11236, thank you for your hard work and excellent coverage. Can't wait for the next part of this journey. Thank you for the kind words. I And I cannot wait as well. Um, let's see. What else we got? Uh, Bachi302. How about our two first-round picks plus Knox from Malcolm? Malcolm Brogdon. Um yeah, that's another one of those tricky ones, right? Is the, is Malcolm Brogdon going to elevate this team? Like, here's here's the question that I'm going to be asking myself personally all offseason. If you put player X on this team in this series, would it have made a difference? I'm not worried about like, oh, this person is not a championship-level point guard or anything like that because that's not how the NBA works. You build one step at a time, and then – if you compile enough good players on decent contracts, then you could keep trading up, and eventually you put yourself in a position to trade for a, you know a star player or, or or get yourself you know to that level. Um, I don't know. Would Malcolm Brogdon have made the difference in the series? Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. Couldn't hurt. Um, so that's an idea. I think they'll explore it. I think they'll explore everything. Um, I don't think they're going to close themselves off to any possibilities. So, so that's, you know, it's a good place to be. Um, Charles Yoon again, what's your drink of choice tonight? So my drink of choice tonight, I, I, um, is I'm going with the Weller. Um, it's a, uh, bourbon that my good friend Ray Marcano, uh, sent my way as a, a, a gift on the birth of my, uh, newest daughter. And I uh, met up with Ray before the game tonight. It was great to see him. He flew in. Talk about dedication. He flew in by himself from Ohio just for the game, and he's flying back tomorrow morning. So uh, I'm drinking uh, Weller in um, in Ray's in Ray's honor. Um, also, I hope we don't reach in free agency trades next year. Just spoke about this. We need to adjust our timeline to Brooklyn's window. I mean, here's the thing about timelines in the NBA, right? I think you you. I think you just do what's smart for you and your organization. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing because guess what? Injuries happen. Shit happens. Like, I, look, it's it's maybe not a fair example, but could you imagine if Masai Ujiri was like, you know what? I'm not going to trade for Kawhi Leonard because we're, we need to wait until the Warriors are done with their run. He didn't do that. Um, you know, um, Daryl Morey traded for Chris Paul. Chris Paul in, busted up his hip in game six and they didn't beat the Warriors. If that didn't happen, would that have changed? You know, it's like when there's a move there to be made and you could turn yourself from a good team to a great team, I think you make the move as long as you're not completely sabotaging the future of your organization in the process, unless, like, you know, you have a chance to really win the championship. I think they'll they'll toe that line fine. Um, Slacker Hero. Damn, meant to ask. Also, are you hesitant to bring Noel back at a big no- uh, big number to pl- uh, after his play in the series? Thanks again, Macri. Thank you again for your uh, comment and your contribution. Um, am I hesitant to bring Noel back at a big number? Um, yes. Um, Noel was hobbled this series. I think Noel's a really nice player. 
Uh, I think he likes playing here. That can't be understated. I don't know what the situation is with Mitch in terms of in terms of how confident the organization is moving forward that he's a big part of their future. Um, I think the situation is fluid. If there's a, a move to be made that involves Mitchell Robinson and it makes sense to make it and you could bring back Noel for a fair number, what is that number? $6 million, $7 million, $8 million a year, something in that range. You do it. But like the best Knicks center in this series was Taj Gibson. And it was not close. And I think Taj Gibson was the best player that I saw on the court tonight on both ends of the floor. All due respect to Emmanuel quickly had some nice moments. RJ Barrett, nice moments. Reggie Bullock, nice moments. Taj Gibson and this is not the first time in the series I've said this. Taj Gibson, like, honestly, this is fucking crazy. I think maybe Rose gets the nod because he, he kept us in so many games. But, like, if anybody wants to sit here and be like, Taj Gibson was the best Nick in this series, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you're wrong. And you got Taj Gibson on a minimum contract. You could probably get him back on a minimum contract next year. You know, he could probably give you 15, 20 quality minutes a night, even next season at the age of 36. Um, I don't know how necessary is it to bring Noel back. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not overpaying for him though. That's for, that's for shit. Sure. Um, Andrew bank. Thanks for everything. My favorite season ever. Um, I'm ho- I'm happy. This is your favorite season ever, Andrew, but I, I hope you get some more good ones in the future. Cause I don't want your fr- first round playoff exit to be your, your favorite season ever. Uh, this team was years ahead of schedule and right on time. Well said. Can I steal that? I'm going to, I'm going to steal that one, Andrew. Um, but I will give you credit in tomorrow's newsletter. Um, 40 plus wins with zero margin for error. Astounding achievement. Hope the Bucks jazz or nuggets win it all. Um, I wish I could sit here and tell you that I gave a flying fuck who won the NBA championship this year. I really don't. I really don't care. Um, Man, who do I want to win? I mean, I don't want Brooklyn to win. I don't want Dallas to win. Um, I don't know. I guess Chris Paul, if, if Phoenix won, that would be kind of fun. I don't. I don't know. I don't really care. I, I, I'm not going to fake caring for for a take. Um, Johnny Chiba, Johnny, what's going on, man? Um, thank you, J Mac, Daddy. Uh, heart-wrenching end to a heartfelt season. Jules is not a complete player. Read the turnovers. Eight turnovers tonight for Julius Randle. The second most he has had in a game in his career. Ooh, that's a lot. He was not good. Um, wanted more Obi Tippin, like that nickname. Uh, IQ and some Frank Knicks on crack. That's a great hashtag. Um, yeah, no, I would have liked to see more Obi. How many minutes um, did we get from Obi? Um, tonight i'm gonna guess i'm gonna guess we got 14 minutes from obi tonight i'm gonna guess 14 let's see how close i am closest without going over we got from obi top in 10 minutes not enough not enough. I know he was one for four, but not enough minutes for the top. Uh, 
Um, let's end on a high note. I've been talking for almost an hour. We're going to end on this. Michael Barita. Quick and Obi shined in the playoffs. Also, great to come here after games to either celebrate or vent. Keep keep up the good work, and we here. Thank you very much, Michael. Um, here's the last thing I'll say. And then I'm going to go. Two things I'm going to say. One thing about the future. Um, Obi Toppin did not have a great rookie year. But he was the best player in college basketball a year ago. Was rumored to be first, second, third, fourth pick in the draft. Fell to us at eighth. Had a rough start to the year. And showed over the last month that this kid is going to be a problem. Like, a real problem. And, like, I sadly remember the Kevin Knox rookie season experience. And let me tell you, for those who may have not watched the Knicks that year, what we've seen from Obi Toppin over the last month, and this is why, this is why you don't tank. This is why you play to win. So you could put a kid like Obi Toppin in this situation with this kind of pressure on him and this kind of accountability demanded of him day in and day out, and you get this kind of progress from him to the point where we just watched this kid play meaningful playoff minutes, and everyone who watched him was like, you know what? He was one of our better players in this series, and absolutely mean it, and it's not a stretch to say. That's Obi Toppin. Emmanuel Quickly, I've run out of words to describe Emmanuel Quickly. I'm so excited for his future. Uh, hit the rookie wall a little bit this year, but big stones, big, big, big juicy onions. Oh, all of the onions in the world make you cry to no end. Um, he could play in the city. He could take the big shot in the city. Um, not many guys can. The moment was never too big for him. Um, you know, that's quickly. And then RJ Barrett, again, from last year to this year, night and day, those three guys are first or second year players, 20 years old, 21 years old, 23 years old, all of them. I know it doesn't feel like it right now because they're, you know, we just lost and like those guys only did so much, all of them have a chance to be foundational players. What does that mean in terms of pecking order? Are they the second, third, and fourth best players on a title team? Are they the third, fifth, and seventh best players on the title team? I don't know the answer to that question. What I do know is those three guys are part of the solution. And when's the last time we could look at a, a Knicks roster and say that three players in the first or second year of their contracts were unequivocally part of the solution to what we're doing moving forward. And then you talk about Randall and that's where the conversation gets a little dicey because he was so bad, but like, that's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have in the off season where you sit and you wonder if the, if your all NBA player is a guy that is like, okay, he's not the best player, but can like, is there a world we could put a piece around him and he could be the number two? Maybe he's the number three. Worst case scenario, he's the number three. But, like, these are good problems to have. And it's been a long time, and this is the last thing I'll say, it's been a long time here in Knicksland since we've had good problems. We've had problems, but they're not the type of problems that you want. Um, 
I've I've gotten a reputation over the last few years um as being like Mr. Positivity amidst the shit and the foul stench of this team. And let me tell you, it has not always been easy. <laughs> but I always chose to look on the bright side, even when logic would dictate that that was a silly thing to do. For once, for once, I can sit here on the last game of the season and I could say, no, I'm not selling my property on Frank Island, Mark Clater. Good question. And I could say, without hesitation, I do not have to sit here on the last day of the season and blow smoke up my or anyone's asses about what is to come for this team and the situation that they are in. Because this is real. What happened this year is real. It is not fake. It is not fraudulent. It is not... Tibbs getting the guys to play above their heads or any of that stuff. You don't have a season like this out of thin air and without something that is a that is a real foundation. So for as much as this season did not end the way anybody wanted it to and this series did not go the way anyone wanted it to, moving forward, I think if you're anything but excited about the prospects of where this team goes from here, you're, you're silly and you're missing the boat and you're missing the point because the magic of this season was never going to be in how many playoff games they won or how far they made it in this postseason because that was never going to be very far in too many games. The magic of this season was in taking a team that was several years away from being in the conversation about like, this is a team we need to worry about to now all of a sudden in the span of 72 games, 77 games, we've jump-started this franchise. And that to me is really exciting. And again, this is not me sitting here and being overly optimistic or blowing smoke up anyone's ass. This is real. Um, and, and I think again, for as much as the, 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 the next steps may not be easy, there are next steps to take and we know what those are and we know what the questions are that need to be answered. And they're not the type of questions and they're not the type of problems that we've had to deal with for most of the last 20 years, which is essentially, Oh fuck. What are we doing? Cause we have no plan and no direction and no hope and no culture and no nothing. There's something here now. And it's good to have something, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to end this one on an upbeat note. Um, I'm going to thank everybody for staying up with me. Thank you, everybody, for contributing to the Super Chat. We appreciate you. Um, Andrew Claudio is 125 in the morning. I'm sure you have had a long night slash morning. <laughs> thank you for staying up with me. Um, and, um, last but not least, um, certainly not least, thank you to every Nick fan, um, who has, who has been along for this ride this season. Um, I, I can, I just, 
from the bottom of my heart, um, this season has been special, not only for everything I just spoke about. <laughs> One, two, three, Cancun. <laughs> this season has been special, not only for everything that I just spoke about, but for being able to share it with all of you um, and just go on this ride together. Because what a ride it's been. And it sucks that it's over. It really sucks that it's over. But we'll remember it. I'll remember it. I'll be old and gray. But I'll be telling my grandkids about this next season. Um, when their when their grandpa became somebody that uh, people wanted to watch after games. As he uh, sipped on his whiskey and said silly things. So. On that note, I love you all, truly, from the bottom of my heart. Um, and, um, yeah, I'll see you soon.